The Bucket Plan On Demand podcast series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach on advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit ClarityToProsperity.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bucket Plan On Demand. Today, we have a really special guest. Normally, I co-present these podcasts with Jason Smith, but Jason is going to be our featured guest today because the uh, concept we're going to be spending this uh, podcast talking about is is really something he has pioneered and become a subject matter expert in, and that is the bucket plan, the philosophy of the bucket plan, and really just the overall concept of bucketing or segmenting money. And I remember it like it was yesterday, the first time that I had the opportunity to see the bucket plan visual. And it was interesting because uh, my background, I have a degree in finance, also a certified financial planner, but in both of those journeys and coursework, we really never spent a lot of time understanding this philosophy or concept of bucketing. And I remember the first time it just hit me on how powerful it actually is, is when I was visiting the JL Smith group over a decade ago now, and I looked over at his whiteboard and there was these three simple buckets now, soon and later. And Jason, you probably remember, I, I looked over and I was like, what are you doing up there? And I remember you explaining just how you kind of went through this journey and started positioning it with your prospects and clients. So I'd love, you know, for the listeners to kind of hear that same story and journey of how you came into the philosophy of the bucket plan for yourself. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, Dave, also, I really loved uh, the kind of the way you position that because um, I feel, you know, first of all, yeah, normally I co-host with you, but now I'm actually a special guest, which I, I, I can't lie. I feel kind of special. I just wanted so. to make sure you felt special coming into today. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel more special than ever. Um, all right. So um, the I I. I remember actually, you know, to piggyback off your story, I remember kind of seeing it up on my panel board in the, uh, in the, uh, in French Creek. That's the name of the office before we put on the addition that I always did my first client appointments. And we have one of those panel boards up there. And I re actually remember um, the first time it really turned into the bucket plan. So Believe it or not, I had um, I had not heard of bucketing and bucket planning. It's just not something that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, well, shoot, 15 plus years ago, it wasn't something that I was out there studying or reading or doing research on the Internet. I had never heard about or found other programs. I mean, now I feel like it's, um, you know, it's common language. Everybody knows about bucket planning. But back then, you know, we weren't in the information age that we are right now, 15 years ago. And so the way it really came about for me was I actually always drew it in boxes, right? So I draw it up on the panel board, which is really just an electronic kind of version of a whiteboard. But I would draw it up there on the panel board in boxes. And I'd always, you know, listed their assets inside of the boxes and then I would put the total above the box and it would always be three boxes. 
And this is even before I was calling it now soon later. And then what happened at one point, um, I had drawn the totals at the top of the boxes, above the boxes, and then I circled them. And I'll never forget, the client said to me, they're like, you know what, that kind of looks like buckets, actually. These are like buckets of money. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, no way. You know, that was great. And so then started originally, I used to just above it, it used to say retirement income plan. That's always because I was really only using it for distribution planning. Now, as you and I both know, the bucket plan, the philosophy of bucketing is not just for distribution planning. It's an asset positioning philosophy for all ages, all people, not just people are looking to do distribution planning. But at that point, and still today, most of my clients at the JL Smith Group are doing distribution planning. That's a huge part of what we do because we're working primarily with pre-retirees, retirees in a suburb of Cleveland. It's mostly kind of middle-class, middle-class millionaire people. And so I used to always write retirement income plan across the top. Well, once that client said to me, hey, these kind of look like buckets, then I started calling it the bucket plan. And then it didn't evolve later until like putting the now and above the now bucket and soon above the middle bucket and later above the uh, third bucket and then the check boxes below and kind of what we wrote in between. I remember for uh, quite some time, I just simply would call the first bucket inside of it when I was explaining it, I was calling it just safe. And then I was calling the middle bucket um, income and then the third bucket just growth. And so the only words it said, it was safe uh, in the first income and the second and then growth in the third. And then as it evolved, you know, you just tweak it and you tweak it more. And, and now it is what it is today. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's how it all started out was really boxes with a circle above it that made it look like a bucket. And then a client is really the one that aimed at the bucket plan. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess we owe that client a lot. So, uh, so thank you to whoever that one was. But um, no. talk about for a minute the dynamic of what you've seen it do in simplifying your planning process, kind of simplifying the recommendations. And, you know, with the probably thousands of advisors today that you've coached in it, kind of what do you see big picture in the industry and how the bucket plan helps kind of bring some solutions to the marketplace? You know, I'm actually out of my lake house right now, and I'm, I have a library in my master bedroom closet. And I'm looking for the book because I can never find it because it's always out at the lake house when I'm talking about this. But it's the biography of Steve Jobs. And so I'll never forget, you know, when I read this book, I mean, it got it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. And it was... Um, where he talked about the importance of when you simplify things, you know, to always deliver your messaging in threes. And so like Apple, you know, what, what he always did is when he launched anything or when he was doing marketing or delivering anything, it was always in threes. And because, you know, the, the numerous studies that have been done on, on knowledge retention and the human mind and the ability to retain information and the dramatic drop-off that happens when you're talking about three things versus four things. And so from a, from a delivery of the message and simplification of things, 
always delivering threes really resonated with me when I read that, um, that biography. And so I, I always strive to simplify, right? Like that terminology, keep it simple, stupid, which I hate the word stupid. So I changed it. And you saw in the book, uh, Dave to soldier, like keep it simple, soldier, a little corny, but still, I just, I like it better than stupid, but the, the, you know, the, the message behind it is you have to keep it simple, right? See what happens to us as advisors is we get so sophisticated of all these great things that we learn in reading books and articles and getting designations and attending conferences and, and so on, that what we tend to do is we get excited and we start to share that with our clients and we overwhelm them. And we actually make that we confuse them instead of simplifying. So the whole premise behind the bucket plan philosophy, which is the philosophy of segmenting money into three simple buckets now, soon and later, is to keep it simple. And so uh, so it's been a game changer. There's no doubt about it. And if you really think about it, I mean, it's really just a it's really a way to 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 illustrate um, asset allocation strategy. Right. I mean, in your now bucket, it's your cash equivalents, right? Your money in the bank. In the soon bucket is going to be your fixed income or fixed income alternatives like annuities um, or bonds, right? I mean, it's really just a, a type of fixed income or fixed income alternative that goes in the soon bucket. And in the later bucket, that's where you're positioning uh, typically your equities. Um, and then you layer into uh, real estate, which sometimes can fit in the soon bucket for income producing purposes. And you layer in cash value life insurance or, or life insurance out in that later bucket. But at the end of the day, these are all investment vehicles that exist within clients' overall portfolios. We're just showing them a simplified way to how to explain it. That's awesome. And and I want to get into the client benefits in just a moment here. But before I do that, for the advisors on the call, you know, the JL Smith Group, your team over in Avon, on track to bring on over $65 million this year in new client assets. Uh, I don't know how many clients you have over there, but but I'm sure it's a whole bunch. How many of those clients have a bucket plan in place and why? Yeah, every single one of them. Doesn't matter their age. Recently brought on a, um, an executive in her late 20s that, um, that actually uh, um, is our rep um, for uh, the TV commercials we do uh, locally for the JL Smith Group. Brought her on board. She's a high income earner, you know, showing her the importance of saving money and in setting up these buckets. She was way overloaded in her now bucket. She was doing a great job um, in her uh, later bucket, but ultimately she was not um, setting up that soon bucket, which we showed her how to do with um, with uh, cash value life insurance and Roth money. And so and, and that might be counterintuitive, right? Some people are like, wait, Roth money, wouldn't that be in the later bucket? It depends on the client and their age. See, a younger client, as you know, Dave, you know, you can access that principle without interest, without uh, taxes or penalties. So it's a great asset to borrow, right, in that soon bucket. Um, if you don't have a lot of post-tax money or, you know, the ability to accumulate a lot of additional post-tax money, well, make sure you're doing your Roth, set that up um, in your soon bucket to be able to access that money if you need to. But if you don't, 
then you can reposition it to the later bucket later on. But long story short, I mean, we also have a 94 or 95 year old client. I'm not sure if she's 94 or 95 now. And so she's got a bucket plan, right? I mean, her now bucket's the money in the bank. The soon bucket is the assets that are producing income for her to supplement her social security. And the later bucket is the money that's earmarked to be inherited later on. So what it does is it streamlines the efficiency to have everyone bought into this simple philosophy and all the client's assets, all of every single one, every single client and all their assets are listed inside of these buckets so they can understand the purpose and the time horizon of if and when they're going to access these funds. Well, and I think that's a big area. Clarity's help pioneer. I mean, if you look at the bucket plan, you Google bucket planning, um, you're going to find a lot of resources on income distribution planning, laddering money to produce income. But nobody out there is talking about bucket planning for the accumulators or the types of clients that maybe have big pensions and social securities and don't need a steady paycheck from their investable assets. But uh, absolutely, to your point, everyone out there needs and should have a bucket plan. And, and part of the reason is just the behavior side of it. I mean, the client benefits, uh, both Jason, you and I do a lot of assets under management and investment portfolios, both big believers in capital markets for clients to help them with long-term growth. But Dalbar has been putting this study out for ages that the average investor tends to underperform just traditional index funds or asset classes out there. And so much of it is the behavioral coaching that these clients really need. I mean, if you look at Richard Thaler, who was from the University of Chicago, he is a top American economist and was the president of the American Economic Association. Just two years ago in 2017, he was awarded a Nobel Prize in Economic Sciences for his contributions to behavioral economics. Really, you know, helping understand that the value a really good financial planner or financial advisor could bring is not so much in chasing the actual performance, but more in coaching behavior. And talk about what you've seen now going, you know, two decades through some pretty big market cycles. You saw the dot-com bubble. You saw 2008. You've seen market volatility like we saw in the fourth quarter of 2018. Talk about the behavior and what happens inside the JL Smith Group when all your clients have a bucket plan. Well, I can tell you one thing. We don't get phone calls. We don't get phone calls from clients freaking out. Because the big thing it does, as you know, Dave, it eliminates freakout risk, right? Freakout risk is when clients don't have a now and a soon bucket, right? They look at it as just like one giant bucket of money. Yeah, they might have some money in the bank, and then they have all the rest of their money in this big bucket that they look at. And they're like, oh, my, you know, whoa, like all this volatility, the market's down 20%, right? And now they're freaking out, right? Well, see, when they have the bucket set up, they have the confidence and the peace of mind to know, hey, I have an ample now bucket. I have an emergency fund. I have that magic number funded so I can put my head on the pillow at night. You know, everybody's got that certain amount of money they want in the bank, right, to have peace of mind. They have that set up. 
And then they have their soon bucket set up. They have a soon bucket set up with more conservative money to buy them a time horizon to let the later bucket do what it always does, be volatile. You know, like Nick Murray, you know, I'm a fan, even though he's not a, a bucketing guy, I'm still a fan of Nick Murray, concepts he teaches. Um, I don't even know how Nick, how old Nick Murray is now. He's got to be at least 117 years old. But his message is fantastic in that, you know, he even uh, at his conference the one year I was there, uh, he handed out stickers that said, I love volatility, right? And, and everybody should love volatility. It's true, right? As long as you have a bucket plan in place, though. Because if you don't have that time horizon to eliminate freakout risk and to give you the confidence to stay the course, right? And have that, like, you know, get through those stormy waters. Because really, if you think about everybody has a now bucket, right? They have a certain amount of money in the bank and everybody's got a later bucket. What they're missing is that bridge, right? That middle bucket, the soon bucket is like a bridge. It's like a bridge over troubled waters. I think there was even a song on that. And so that's really what that's doing. And from a behavioral finance standpoint, that's giving people what they need in order to stay the course and optimize equities because nothing is going to do better than equities over a long period of time. I mean, granted, there's some alternative investments and private placements and real estate and things that you could hit a home run on. But for the most part, for the average everyday investor, you want to optimize equities. In order to optimize equities, you have to have that peace of mind by having a now and a soon bucket in place. So getting to these buckets, right? You, you have your three buckets. You have the now bucket, the soon bucket, and the later bucket. And we know some of the objectives now bucket, as you mentioned earlier, is they're safe and liquid money. How complicated is figuring out the now bucket? Well, you know, the now bucket is, you know, really just your your there's three components to it. And so, and we put these as check boxes for people to. I mean, here's the thing. We want we want people to do it themselves, right? I would rather people do it themselves, even if there's no way that we do it with them. That's counting advisors as well as clients, right? Let's get this message out to as many people as possible. Let's help as many people as possible because they need this, right? And so we make it as turnkey as we can. We give all this information out in podcasts and white papers and webinars, and we give out our tools and we write books and white papers and everything we can to get this message out because it's going to help people. But if you simply look at the check boxes underneath the bucket plan visual, right? The, the main visual of the bucket plan that everybody sees. Well, under the now bucket, there's three components. So number one, emergency or comfort fund. And so, yes, everybody needs that magic number, that peace of mind. What's that number that if your accounts dip below, you're going to start getting uncomfortable? Let's identify what that number is. That's component number one. Number two, planned expenses. So planned expenses are any large planned expenses that are on the horizon in the next few years that we wanna make sure that we don't invest that money. We don't put it at risk, we don't lock it up, we don't make commitments with it. Um, what we're doing is just making sure it stays safe and liquid, typically in the bank or money market account. And so that's the second component, identify the planned expenses and set those aside, don't invest them and not with that short of a time horizon. And then the third component 
is if they are retired and drawing off liquid investable assets, or if they're about to retire and going to lit, uh, draw off liquid investable assets, then that is, you want to put a 12, up to 12 months worth of income in the now bucket. So let's say, for example, somebody's about to retire right now uh, or within the next month or two, and you're working with them, or they're already retired. Well, then you want to put 12 months worth of income in the now bucket. But let's say they're not going to retire for six months from now. Well, six months are going to be paid for from their employer. That's going to take care of that income. So all you need to do is set aside six months of additional income to meet that one-year gap. So what we always try to plan for is the next year's worth of income in the now bucket, the emergency or comfort fund, and then any large planned expenses. So the now bucket is pretty straightforward. How about the soon bucket? Talk about you know kind of some primary drivers in how you're explaining that soon bucket. Yeah, so I mean, what's what's making up the soon bucket, there's a lot of variables there, right? So that age is a huge component of it. Like I use the 94, 95 year old, right? I mean, her soon bucket is her income producing assets and uh, and that's her primary driver in her situation. Then I, you know, go to that uh, client that I referenced that's in her late 20s and her situation, her soon bucket is made up of uh, Roth IRA, cash value life insurance and any post-tax money that she's accumulating above and beyond the now bucket of the emergency or comfort fund. So those are two examples, but let, let's use an example of a, kind of like a pre-retiree, retiree, maybe they're in their 60s and they're looking to retire in the next few years or even already retired. Typically what you're gonna find is in the soon bucket is gonna be um, however much capital is needed to provide the income they need is the first thing that we're looking at. So for example, I mean, you might be using a bridge methodology where you're buying 10 years worth of income, for example, or you might be using a lifetime income floor methodology like Tom Hegna talks about, always buying lifetime income. And so that would be through an annuity with an income rider typically or a SPIA or a DIA. Um, and so that would be, you know, you'd need enough capital to buy that uh, lifetime income out of the soon bucket. Or number three, um, you might be utilizing a yield methodology, right? Where you have, a, they have enough money to just live off of interest and dividends, basically a yield off of their portfolio. Um, so they're positioning enough capital in the soon bucket to do that. So there's an example, there's three different examples of how you can position enough capital to create the income you need if you need income in the soon bucket. But there's a lot of people that don't need income, right? And so they're between pension and social security, they're stuck. Do they still need a soon bucket? Do they need a soon bucket if they don't need income? Yes, they do need a soon bucket because people still typically have a certain amount of money that they want to invest conservatively. So you need to ask and you need to probe and you need to understand, is there a certain accounts or is there a certain amount of money that you want to invest more conservatively? We don't want to sacrifice the rate of return like we would in the now bucket. The now bucket's not even going to keep up with inflation in many cases where the soon bucket is gonna meet and exceed inflation. It's gonna outpace inflation, that's the goal. It's invested conservatively, but to outpace inflation. 
Um, so there would be a situation, somebody doesn't need income, but there's a certain amount of money they want to invest it more conservatively. And then the third thing that people don't think about is people don't think about required minimum distributions. This is like the silent deadly killer that creates sequence of returns risk that nobody talks about, right? Everybody knows about sequence of returns risk if you're gonna be drawing liquid investable assets in retirement for a steady paycheck purposes, right? Everybody talks about that. Nobody talks about the other two components. Number one, what if life gets in the way and you just need to take a withdrawal from your investments? Boom, they're down. You can never make that money back. So that would be something that also can cause sequence of returns risk. But what also can do it in, is what I just mentioned is required minimum distributions, forced income, where people are forced to draw income off their portfolios, whether they want it or not, and then they have to pay taxes on it. And then they can, and then now the market's down and they can't reinvest it. And so therefore they can never make that money back. And so that can also cause sequence of returns risk. So there's a lot of different things and, and, and components to look at, age and whether they need income or don't need income, whether required minimum distributions are going to come into play that can ultimately make up that soon bucket. Well, and one thing that really stood out to me, I work with a lot of younger clients and uh, that really serves as an unbelievable opportunity bucket. I always share, you know, when's the best time to make an investment when the market's high or when the market's low? And most people would say when the market's low, well, the reality of it is if you have all of your money out in the later bucket in long-term growth-oriented assets, you don't have any opportunity fund, which maybe you have the opportunity to start a business or buy a new home or buy a vacation home or buy a rental property or do something with that money when prices are down. If you've got all your money tied up with no soon bucket, you don't have that opportunity bucket. And that resonates with a lot of people. Yeah, I love that. And who was that, Dave? I remember you and I were conducting a training and there was an advisor that starts saying he was calling the soon bucket the opportunity bucket. And we both were like, that's awesome. That's cool. <laughs> you yeah, that. I can't I remember, remember who it was, but certainly uh, we all borrow these ideas from each other. So, um, yeah. And, and I love that, though. And you really run with that, especially with your clientele because you're working with a lot of the younger and more high net worth people where, you know, my office is primarily working with, uh, you know, pre-retirees, retirees, but I mean, and business owners, entrepreneurs, right? I mean, that's going to resonate with them. When you talk about that soon bucket as an opportunity bucket, you know, that's what's really going to resonate more with them uh, versus just, you know, conservative. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we spoke about the now bucket, the soon bucket, Give me the high level on the later bucket. Well, you know the answer to this, Dave. It's what's left, right? I mean, it, it is sequential on how you build it. You build the now bucket first. And when you, when, you, when you talk about that now bucket philosophically and making sure that a certain amount of money's there, no other advisor ever talked to them about it like that before. Every other advisor is trying to squeeze as much blood out of the turnip and put as much money into managed money as they can to earn the highest amount of fee that they can or into whatever other products where you're doing the exact opposite, counseling them to put more money in the now bucket, right? And I know right now some of you are like, that's crazy. Why am I gonna like earn less money? You're not, you're gonna earn a ton more. 
because people are going to move forward with you because they're going to see you're looking out for their best interest, giving them peace of mind, doing what's right for them in their personal situation versus trying to just look out for yourself. And so that now bucket is, uh, is really important for that. And the soon bucket obviously is everything we just talked about, the income and you know other purposes of having that conservative block of money to be able to draw on or an opportunity bucket. And so once you've funded those two, with really the thinking all along, the client is understanding that, you know, it, the more money that's in the late, and you're reinforcing this all along, right? The now bucket, you're not even going to keep up with inflation in many cases. The soon bucket, you're going to outpace inflation, but it's conservatively invested, looking for opportunities, or in case we need to take income or withdrawals, the rest of the money is that's what's going to grow the best out in the later bucket. So as you're building the now and the soon bucket, they're having the mindset that they understand that the less money they put in the now and the soon bucket, the more they're going to have in the later bucket. And so it just ends up working itself out. And, and then the rest of the money really goes, it, it, whatever's left is what's in the later bucket. And talk about for advisors that maybe aren't leveraging life insurance or asset-based long-term care, by having a process that accounts for that, what does it do? I mean, what does it do for, for diversified new opportunities that might not exist in your business? Well, you know, it, when we explain the bucket plan philosophy, right, the now, soon, and later bucket, like I'll explain it like I do to a client, first of all, right? And so what I'll say, first, I cover the money cycle um, conversation, right? And I'm not going to cover that again because I know we did our last podcast, but um, accumulation, preservation, distribution. The biggest mistake somebody makes is goes directly from accumulation into distribution. They've never preserved a portion of their assets they're going to need to draw from in the first phase of retirement. That's how I set it up if I'm talking to a pre-retiree or retiree. And so what do we do to mitigate that risk? We subscribe to a simple three-bucket approach, now, soon, and later. And so the now bucket is basically our safe and liquid money. It's our emergency or comfort fund or planned expenses. You know, it's that, it's that money that everybody has. It's a certain magic number that you can put your head on the pillow and sleep soundly at night when you know that money's there. So we establish a now bucket first and then the soon bucket. Now the soon bucket is that money that you may need to access sooner rather than later. And so in that soon bucket, we have to take a more conservative approach so we know that that money's going to be there if we need it for income or withdrawals in the first phase of retirement. So we don't want to subject it to too much risk because if the market's way down and we need to access that, those funds, you know, now we're forced to sell when the market's down. So we want to set up a, a certain amount of money that's invested more conservatively. And now we've established a now in a soon bucket. So we have the confidence to invest the rest of the money in the later bucket. And the later bucket is for long-term growth and legacy planning. And you might be saying to me, Jason, my kids are raised. I'm not worried about legacy planning. Whatever is left is left. How many times have we heard that? But see, legacy planning is not just for the kids. Legacy planning most importantly, is for the surviving spouse, because when one spouse passes away, what happens to their income? If they're on Social Security and they're getting two checks, what happens to one of the checks? Sometimes there's a pension. And so ultimately, 
when the second, when one spouse passes away, income almost always goes down, but what happens to their income taxes? See, their standard deduction gets cut in half. All the brackets shrink for a single filer versus married filing jointly. So now what happens is income goes down, taxes go up, it's a double whammy. So we have to plan for that. Legacy planning is not just for the kids, most importantly for the surviving spouse. So we have to do tax planning. We have to put things in place to make sure the money's gonna be there when the time comes and, and is gonna be there in the most tax efficient manner. And so having that conversation, Dave, really sets up the conversation to talk about Roth conversions, to talk about putting life insurance in place, to talk about asset-based long-term care for, for protection purposes. And so having that conversation really kind of opens the door yeah, to talk about those things they may or may not have talked about before. That's great. So, so just to, to, to kind of wrap some things up, I mean, the bucket plan philosophy, you've done a great job explaining how you've built that, implemented it, the client benefits, the advisor benefits. And, you know, we mentioned when we opened this that bucket planning in one way or another has been around for a long time. I mean, Harold Devensky is one of the early pioneers going back into the early 80s of this concept of segmenting money for better outcomes. But one thing that, that, that Clarity to Prosperity has done is they've built a process around the bucket plan. They built a process around what you do throughout the appointment process with different tools that can help an advisor document the evidence that they really you know, met the best interest standard when delivering this bucketing philosophy with their clients. Can you talk a little bit, you know, high level around the best interest process that that helps advisors actually implement and execute the philosophy of the bucket plan with their clients? Yeah, and you put it really well, Dave, and I think it sets up our next podcast where we're going to start going through the actual tools that surround the philosophy. And so we did a little bit of that already because the fact finder is a tool. The money cycle is a tool to create the need to set up the philosophy, is, which is what we talked about today. But ultimately, then following podcasts and webinars, what we're going to be going into is actually talking about the rest of the tools that support the process. Because that's the key is there's a philosophy of segmenting and bucketing money. But then what we've done is built a process around it. And that is what we're going to be covering um, in, in throughout the rest of these series of podcasts. That's great. Well, we look forward to that. Again, thank you to our very special guest, Jason Smith, for coming on, talking about the evolution of the bucket plan and how he's been able to implement it along with thousands of other advisors. We look forward to seeing you on the next podcast where we're going to dive more into the tools that Jason just mentioned around being able to build, design, and deliver bucket plans for your clients. Thanks a lot and have a great day. Thank you. The Bucket Plan On Demand podcast series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach on advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit clarity2prosperity.com.